athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. March Madness is in full effect. We're talking plenty of March Madness today on the program, as well as some NBA and some baseball. Welcome to another edition of From the Press Box to Press Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Before I go on, I got to say congratulations. And I, and I didn't mention this last week. Congratulations to the North Carolina A&T Lady Aggies head coached by Terrell Robinson. And they, of course, won the MEAC Tournament Championship. And, you know, I had a chance. They, they played South Carolina. They were a 15 seed, played South Carolina, the defending champions, last Friday in Columbia. And they were going against National Player of the Year, Asia Wilson, who everybody's talking about. And at one time, the Lady Aggies were down by 19 points. Matter of fact, they were down by 19 points at halftime. They roared all the way back in the second half. And as a matter of fact, in the fourth quarter, had pulled to within seven and then again to within eight, but couldn't quite get over the hump. But I tell you what, I mean, they played a whale of a game. One of the best defensive teams in the country. And they showed that because South Carolina shot about 38% from the field. Aja Wilson, she had 19 points and 16 rebounds, but she was 6 of 15 from the field. So Lady Aggies did their jobs. You know, I think if they had had hit a couple of more shots, especially after they pulled to within eight with about three and a half remaining they could have they they could have made South Carolina sweat uh, a little bit more, but but again, a bulk of that team comes back on next year that took the defending national champions to the wire. So while you you're not really much for moral victories, I mean, still a congratulations goes out to them for winning first of all the MEAC tournament championship and then taking South giving South Carolina all they could handle. As I mentioned. Plenty of March Madness to talk about today on the program. And um, I want you to join us here on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. I, I don't know. Is, how does your bracket look right now? Like, for me, Sweet 16. I only had eight teams in this eight. I only got eight teams correct that I thought would be in the Sweet 16. Um, let me see. I had Gonzaga, or Gonzaga, Michigan. I had Villanova, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Purdue, Kansas, and Duke. Those were the only teams that I had th- that were gonna that 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 I had in the Sweet 16. Like I never saw Loyola Chicago coming. Like I never even gave. 
Loyola Chicago a second thought when they were going up against Miami in the first round. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I, you know, I, I, and that's one of those matchups. I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was was it a twelve? I think it was a twelve five matchup. Um, so it's one of those matchups that's kind of like right on the bubble, maybe a 13-4, whatever it is. It's one of those matchups that's, that that you always, it's not a bubble. The 9-8 matchup is the bubble, but it's one of those matchups where there's always going to be an upset, and you try to pick those, but I never thought that that would be, in fact, the upset. And as a matter of fact, Arizona, Arizona that loss by Arizona, um, and, and by the way, it wasn't even the loss um, it wasn't even the victory um, by UMBC um, last week that, that really messed my bracket up. It wasn't that victory by UMBC um, because I actually had UVA um, bowing out in the Sweet 16 anyway because, you know, I just feel like in college basketball, defense is not going to win championships. The old adage, defense wins championships, defense wins championships. Well, not in college basketball. And by the way, the Cavaliers have had a pretty good team or have had some pretty good teams the last couple of years and really haven't done as well as they should have or as well as their regular season would have indicated that they would have done. So I didn't have them going past the Sweet 16 anyway. I never saw UMBC. Like, I, I, I never, I rarely give um, 16 and one 16 versus one any thought um you know umbc quite frankly you know is on the level of, of a lot of the mid-major schools that we cover more specifically in the swag um in the MEAC. and what umbc did was definitely historic and it was a big time dominating victory but in my bracket it wasn't even the umbc uva matchup that messed me up it was the arizona <laughs> matchup you know the the arizona matchup against buffalo that was really the one that really messed me up because you know i thought arizona had the team that could have made it all the way to the ma- national championship as a matter of fact i had them in the national championship game and you know obviously they lose in the first round so that was a big loss and, and really, that is, in fact, where my sheet got torn up uh, was that loss by uh, Arizona to Buffalo. And again, I mean, that's not, you know, it's not one of those losses. It, it is a surprising loss. I mean, when you look at the matchup, it's a 12, what is it, 12-4 matchup. I mean, it's one of those matchups that you have to, again, pick upsets from time to time. Maybe Arizona was better than its four seed. Well, well, obviously they weren't, but you know you would have figured that with the the season that Arizona had and 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 in a in a, in a and also having a dominating player that they would have been better than a number four seed. And I know in a lot of people's brackets, I'm sure they had them at least in the elite eight. But that's one of those 13-4 matchups that you 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 gotta. When you look at those four matchups every year, you got to have at least one upset in the 13 fours just for me that I never thought that it would be the Arizona and uh, and, and Buffalo game that would have been the upset. And, and I mean, it was a really, really, um, you know, good basketball game, one in which Buffalo definitely deserved to win. So we'll, we'll table we will table that conversation for right now here on the program. We're going to talk um, some more um NCAA basketball or uh, March Madness, if you will. So, you know, I, I, I want to talk about right now 
the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, you know, I had a chance to watch. I don't know if you saw the game on Wednesday, the game against Toronto, where they beat Toronto 132 to 129. I mean, Toronto put up 79 points in the first half. It looked like it was going to be a, a, a blowout, another bad loss for Cleveland, but Cleveland kept fighting. They kept hanging in there. Of course, they have Kevin Love back now, which makes a lot of difference. Um, I think when you look at that particular game, I think what people aren't really talking about is the two big shots that J.R. Smith hit in the fourth quarter. And that's the thing. Like, J.R. Smith has to, is, is the X factor to me when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers. When Cleveland made that trade and they got rid of Isaiah Thomas and then they won two games heading into the All-Star game, you know, I, I my initial thought was I think Cleveland was going to be good. And I thought that they would eventually maybe catch Toronto. I don't think that's going to happen now, but I think that, I, I, I and I don't remember if I said I thought they were going to catch Toronto or or at, at the very least, I know I said that they were going to, uh, I thought, going to be able to defend their Eastern um, Conference Championship, but uh, then it didn't look so hot after the All-Star break. But again, I still maintained that they, they did what they did in those two games without Kevin Love. Well, guess what? Kevin Love came back, he's come back now, and has really obviously made a huge difference for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, he's playing, he's the, he's obviously the second option, and really Cleveland is a little bit banged up right now, but LeBron James is playing at an unbelievable, at an unbelievable, this, I mean, you know, you could make the argument that this is LeBron James's best season right now I mean he's essentially for a lot of this season and 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 yeah I mean I, I realize that Cleveland hasn't been spectacular uh, obviously Larry Drew now coaching uh, Tyron Lue is, is out with with an illness but this is a Cavaliers team that is solid 42 and 29 they're a top five team right now in the Eastern Conference they've gotten it done the last six to eight weeks and been able to stay in contention without the services of a Kevin Love. But to me, the X factor is definitely J.R. Smith. Again, those two big shots that, I mean, that, that though, and, and, and yeah, granted, Kevin Love hit that shot uh, towards the latter part of the fourth quarter that I think at that time, I can't remember. I think it gave Cleveland the lead, which they never relinquished at that time. Um, but it was it was definitely a big shot. But moving forward, when you're talking about moving forward and playing in the NBA Finals, which uh, I, right now it still has to be Golden State. I know Golden State is going through some things. Uh, Kevin Durant is out. Um, Steph Curry had been out for a, a little bit of time. And... So they're definitely going through something, and Houston is playing some outstanding basketball right now, but I think it's still you still have to give Golden State that advantage because they are the defending champions, and they are the, what, three- or four-time defending Western Conference champions, so you have to give it to them. But in order for Cleveland to win that championship, um, they're going to have to get some good play from J.R. Smith. If you go back to the championship that they won two years ago, it was in part because of the play of J.R. Smith. You know, the jury to me or for me on Kevin Love is still out. The jury is still out 
in terms of what he's going to be able to do, not just in the postseason. He did well in 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 the first couple of, uh, of series last year. It was the it was in the championship series that he disappeared. Let's look at Kevin Love the last three years and what Kevin Love has done in Cleveland's last three appearances in the um, in the NBA Finals. 2015, he was injured. 2016, which was uh, 2016, Cleveland won it, but he only had a really good game seven. And even in that game, it wasn't necessarily what he did from an offensive standpoint, although it was, he did hit some timely shots, but it's what he did more so defensively in 2016 when they won it. And then last year, he totally disappeared. So the jury is still out when you're talking about NBA Finals, to me, for Kevin Love, he's going to be good in the regular season. But they're really needing, to me, they're really needing the play of J.R. Smith. He's definitely going to be a factor. Uh, and, and then also some other guys, role guys like Tristan Thompson and, and Corver, whose brother passed away. He, he had been out. Um, so so they're going to need some play from from Kyle Corver hitting some big shots as well. Some 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 play from some of those role players. You know, I think George Hill is still an is a really good acquisition. He's a guy that is a defensive guy, but I think he's also a guy that um, right now is a little bit underrated on the offensive side. But I think he's going to show you something moving forward. Your thoughts, Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, they're the real deal. I've been saying it before the All-Star break. I got, they scared me a little bit. I got to admit afterwards. But right now, they're playing some pretty good basketball. A big-time win over Toronto on Wednesday. Your thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. More of From the Press Box to Press Row on the other side. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, North Carolina Central baseball coach Jim Kerner going to join us on the program. The Eagles 16-7 and on the season and have a weekend home series with Savannah State. And the Eagles are playing some great baseball right now. You keep up with them and you look at the releases that come out and it seems like they're I mean, obviously they're you know 16 and seven, so they're playing very well. But they're they they they're doing really well out of conference. They had a I believe a sweep earlier in the season against Iona. They just beat High Point the other day, so they're they're really playing well in non-conference matchups, which now generally tend to happen during midweek. And now you have Miac play, which is in full swing, and uh, it's going to be a competitive Miac. This year, no question about it. I mean, when North Carolina Central is competitive, and they've been pretty competitive, the Eagles have been. But when you look at Bethune Cookman and what Bethune Cookman was able to do on last year, um, less obviously their uh, their their coach from last year now, but still, um, just think it's going to be a very competitive MEAC season. So again, Jim Kerner. The baseball coach at North Carolina Central going to join us on the program. Boy, we had another, just another tragic shooting in Sacramento. Uh, Stephen Clark was an unarmed black man 
who was uh, shot by shot and killed by police, shot 20 times. Um, and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement came into play right before the Kings uh, had a, a bas- Sacramento Kings had a basketball game on Thursday. And essentially uh, the game still went on. It was delayed, but it was pretty much an empty arena because if you hadn't gotten into the game before that movement essentially shut down the arena, then you didn't get into the game. And the owner of the Sacramento Kings addressed, uh, I guess, the sparse crowd that was there after the game and more so for the cameras. If you, you can Google it online and see what he had to say, he's definitely um, not taking this lightly. And, um, you know, I really liked what he had to say, as a matter of fact. And, 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 and you know, again, I mean, what what is it? I mean, what's what's the problem here? You know, um, I mean, you can't even, you know, you you can't do you can't if you're if you're black if you're in particularly if you're a black man, I mean, you know, it, it, it just another black man gunned down with that was no threat that had no weapon at the hands. of of the police and you have to wonder and ask yourself when is it going to stop i mean you you can't even be at you you know in your own domicile uh for something like this to in fact happen you know i I mean you know it it it, um it's just it's just hard i mean it's 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 you know here's a here's a young brother that had his whole life in front of him i think he was 22 23 years old had his whole life in front of him not doing anything uh reportedly there was some kind of robbery in the area and unfortunately um, he fit the description um and so the police came in he had you know again he 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 was he had no weapon he was unarmed they felt threatened apparently if you read the reports and uh, so they just opened fire. It says 20 times they opened fire. And uh, here we have another young black man dead with that was no threat, with no weapon at the hands of the police. And um, just a shame. I feel for that young man again, uh, you know, in his early 20s, 22, 23 years old, had his whole life in front of him. Now his fa- his family has to has to deal with that and, and, and be able to pick up the pieces and ask themselves the same questions that I'm asking. Why did this happen? How did it happen? And, you know, this is this is just I mean, it's got to stop. It's just, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's very difficult to even think about. Um, you know, I have I have three sons myself. You know, I have a, a, an older son who's right in the age range of uh of 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 mr clark you know and um you know and then and then two uh, younger sons who who you know are are are, uh you know teenagers so essentially so uh you know just it just a shame that uh that we have to continue to to deal with this and that um we um particularly as black men are looked upon um, as a threat and uh, it's just it's just extremely um, extremely sad so obviously we, we, we just we, we feel for the Clark family and um, 
boy, it's just, this has really, really got to stop. Again, still uh, to come here on the program, uh, Jim Kerners, the head baseball coach at North Carolina Century, is going to join us on the program. You know, I, I tell you what, um, <laughs> Loyola of Chicago just continues, continues to get it done on the basketball court. I mean, they're now in the Elite Eight after defeating Nevada, who who was in of sorts a, a Cinderella of its own, 69 to 68 on uh, Thursday. I mean, and what a game! Just a big shot by uh, Loyola towards the latter part of the game, off of a nice pass. I mean, I you know I got to be honest with you. I mean, again, I didn't even you know when again Miami and Loyola of Chicago. Um, played in the first round. I mean, I didn't even give Loyola of Chicago a second thought. I mean, this is a team that hadn't made the NCAA tournament since 1985. Like, I hadn't even, you know, I mean, obviously when you're in Division One and more specifically Division One basketball, I mean, you hear about most of these teams or most of these schools or most of these programs because – of the fact that they're able to make the tournament, uh, maybe a school you've never heard of. And, and that's the one thing about college athletics and in and, and college sports is that um, you're able in, and, and, and excuse me, more specifically at the division one level. That's, that's why a lot of, you know, you have a lot of, uh, had a lot of transition or have a lot of transition, or it's important for schools to be in division one because you have an opportunity to win your conference and an opportunity to go to the tournament. And I'm talking, of course, more specifically in basketball and to be able to have that name recognition. And what that name recognition, in fact, does is that it brings it brings notoriety to your school. I mean, Chicago Loyola, you know, again, hadn't been to the tournament since the mid 80s. They play out of the Missouri Valley Conference. I guess I had heard of them, but I mean, you know, you 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 really hear about them when you get on a stage like this. And that's why, you know, you, you, you had the, uh, a lot of schools, particularly in just, you know, two examples um, of, of schools like Norfolk and Hampton back in the latter part of the nineties that made the move uh, from division two to division one. It gives you more notoriety, more exposure. And I think both Norfolk and Hampton have made a, a, a have really uh, gotten bang for their buck over the years, particularly as it, again, relates to basketball. And, and Savannah State, you know, made the move, and it, it just quite hadn't quite worked out for them. Of course, now we know that they're going um, back to Division Two. But um, congratulations to Loyola. I mean, what more can you say? I mean, they're, 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 they're getting it done, and they have, you know, at this point, you just can't count them out. They have as much chance to win this thing as any team does i mean so you know you you can't you know they're in the elite eight they play on saturday you just can't count them out and so loyola continues to roll on again i did not have them um in my ballot at all didn't even really give them a second thought um in terms of getting past miami even though that's one of those matchups um that's in the what 11 i think that was an 11-6 matchup because loyola is an 11 uh, seed, 11 six matchup, but um, you know, again, congratulations to the Ramblers as they ramble on. Um, 
you know, some some house cleaning things. And and, and speaking of the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, you have a situation where Dana Ford, the head men's basketball coach, or now former head men's basketball coach at um, Tennessee State, is now taking a position with Missouri State. He's now going to be the head men's basketball coach at um, at Missouri State. And, uh, you know, Dana Ford, he's been on this show many a time. I mean, he, he's gotten it done. I mean, Dana Ford has gotten it done. Dana Ford was responsible for Robert Covington, in fact, coming to Tennessee State. So, uh, you know, I, I know the record when you sort of maybe look at the record of Dana Ford, I mean, it was a solid record. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it was a solid record um, actually overall, particularly the last three seasons, because the first season in 2014, 15, he went five and 26, but that was Tennessee state was in really in, sort of in bad shape at that time when he took over the program. So, you know, sort of the first season was, was the season that you, um, you know, even though it's going to count against this record, it, it's one of those seasons where you're like, OK, you're you're sort of playing with house money. But the transition from the 2014-15 season to 2015-16, I mean, they went five and 26, 14-15 to 20 and 11 for 15-16. Now, you know, I look at, you, you know, you look at it a little bit deeper. I thought that uh, Tennessee State, as a matter of fact, this year was okay, but last year I thought Tennessee State really had a chance to win that OVC. If you remember, they were winning some of those games. They had a senior-laden team uh, during the 2016-2017 season. Um, they took NC State to the wire. Uh, matter of fact, they took them to overtime before they ended up losing by 10 points. And actually, they had NC State on the ropes. I was at that game a couple of years ago uh, in uh, or last year. Uh, in in right here in Raleigh um, but again overall and now he's going to be able to we mentioned you know the 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 Missouri Valley Conference has obviously gotten a lot of notoriety um, uh, even before what Loyola is doing and, and just as they continue to rise um, their conference is going to continue to kind of come up just like when you look at maybe the WAC and Gonzaga and what Gonzaga, even though they're out of the tournament now, uh, they played in the national championship ga- game last year. The, the conference wasn't really known. They weren't really known. They started to get some consistency, started to build a program. And what happened with the other teams in their conference, they started to get notoriety as well. Congratulations to Dana Ford. Interested to see what he's going to do at Missouri State. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, North Carolina Central baseball coach Jim Kerner. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row in his seventh season as the head baseball coach at North Carolina Central is Jim Kerner. The Eagles playing some very good baseball, as a matter of fact, right now coming off a big win, 8-7 to over High Point on Saturday. They got a weekend tilt against Savannah State. As Jim Kerner joins us here, I'm from the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Kerner, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's great to be back. Absolutely. I just want to kind of get your thought. I mean, what, what, you guys are really off to a really, really fast start. Just your thoughts on the season to this point. You know, so far, so good. We've done we've done some good things early in the season, and we are off to a good start, as you mentioned. And I think the guys are in a in, in a good place mentally and so far, we're, we're as healthy as we can be, and that's a big, uh, a big component to this. 
Yeah, you know, does it seem, I mean, I looked up and, you know, it seems like maybe we had you on the first, maybe the second year that you were at North Carolina Central. And I remember when you came in, I just didn't realize it had been seven seasons. Does it feel like it's been seven seasons? <laughs> you know, it, and honestly, no, it hasn't. It, it, it doesn't. It, when you think, when you sit back and think seven years, you know, you think it's a long time, but uh, it, it's we've we've had a blast doing it. It's been a lot of fun. My family loves Durham. You know, my kids have grown up here, so it it doesn't feel like seven. We've enjoyed we've enjoyed our time. What sort of what's different about this year? Because, you know, here on the program, obviously we follow baseball, but I mean, not this early in the season. I mean, basketball season is still going on, quite frankly. But I mean, you guys, again, 16 wins already. A lot of the wins against non-conference opponents, which is really impressive. Why why do you think you're off to such this fast start? Well, that's a good question. Um and, and I, uh, I, I guess I can attribute it to several different factors. Number one, I think, um, I think health has a lot to do with it. Guys are healthy, and in, in last year, I thought we had a pretty good team, and we got off to a, a pretty good start as well. Maybe not quite as good as this year, but we we started running into a couple serious injury issues in early March, and, and it started to test our depth a little bit. So I think that that is a big component of it as well as our senior class we have we have a lot of seniors you know we have nine we have eight senior position players nine or five senior uh position players so when when you talk about that much pitching experience and a lot of your lineup back from last year especially guys that have done it and been doing it for a while they're older they're more mature that certainly certainly helps quite a bit and um and I think guys are also a little bit uh, upset about what happened last year. The fact that, you know, we, we came so short, uh, came up a little bit short of making the tournament. And, you know, especially since we had a pretty good club. So I think they're playing with a little bit of a chip on the shoulder as well. And, and they want to prove a lot of people wrong. Midweek game against um, High Point, as I mentioned, the 8-7 to victory uh, on, on, uh, on Wednesday. You pretty much grinded that one out, had six runs um, in the bottom half of the fifth inning you know talk about a, a win like that and what it means having come off um you know the series victory over umes and now leading into a in, in more MEAC play against savannah state this weekend well we preach consistency we we, we preach uh you know coming out every day and, and working hard with the right attitude and mindset and you know winning success breeds success you, you can say and um you know obviously it's a process to everything that we do but um game was just i think uh showed the toughness of the team the grit the character you know we were we were down in the game five to one and um we battled back and the guys just kept uh kept believing kept working at it kept doing what what they uh know how to do and we were able to get a a really good victory against a, a very good high point team jim kerner is in his seventh season as the head baseball coach at North Carolina Central, he joins us here on from the press box to press row. I mentioned Coach Kerner, your 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 uh, you know conference play and in, in, in getting the win against UMES, but I mean you have already 
um, taking two out of three from your arch well from your arch rival North Carolina A and T in the last weekend um, against Bethune Cookman, who Bethune Cookman, the defending champs, and then A and T had a really good season last year. Can you kind of speak to that and being able to um, beat uh, two of the better teams, if you will, uh, in MEAC play, which again continues to give you confidence moving forward. Yeah, those, yeah, it's it was two quality weekends. They're both very good clubs. A and T is is going to make a lot of noise in this conference, and we have a tremendous amount of respect for uh, the program that they have. And and then of course Bethune Cookman last year doing what they did. We talked about that as a team a little bit, and throughout the course of the year, how they came essentially three or four innings away from moving on to a super regional. So. You know, we kind of use that as a benchmark for what you know we eventually want to accomplish this year and in years in the in, in the future. Being that team that's capable of, you know, um, not only winning MEAC championships but also you know going on and, and competing for regionals and, and hopefully and, and eventually moving on after that. And um, um, the guys, the guys really just focus on what makes us successful instead of. Instead of sitting there and dwelling on, hey, we got Bethune Cookman or High Point or A and T, and we we really just try to play good baseball. We we want to limit our free bases. We we have a certain way we we try to attack pitchers, and you know I I, I try to get across to them that it doesn't matter who's in the other dugout. It just matters how we approach the game and what we need to do to make sure that we're successful with with our end of stuff. Jim Kerner, again, the head baseball coach at North Carolina Central, joins us here on the program. The Eagles off to a really, really good start. Got a home uh, weekend series in MEAC play against Savannah State. Some of the personnel, Coach Kerner, let's talk about some of the personnel. And, you know, just as I look at some of the numbers, um, you know, this Joyce kid looks like he's pretty good, batting almost 400 with five home runs. And then you also got some guys that have – uh, that are really swinging the bat well as a team you all have already hit 27 home runs that's more than a lot of teams hit in an entire season yeah we have <laughs> off some pretty decent starts uh cory joyce you mentioned him being one cory's uh Corey's a good ball player, a very good ball player. He he does a lot of things really well on the field, and he works really hard at it. And um, you know, Zach Mahalski is another one who's really he's a junior college transfer, came in last year, and and uh, he's really seemed to settle in this year and and take his game to the next level a little bit. Having that experience, I think, helps now another a year of Division One under his belt. He he kind of understands how teams are going to pitch him and approach him. And um, also our shortstop, Dom Cuevas, has, has been the anchor of the infield. He does a great job at, at short and kind of handles, um, you know, the defensive responsibilities. But he also had a big hit, hit the uh, bases, bases clearing uh, th- uh, three-run triple that uh, really broke open that game for us against uh, against High Point. And Center fielder Evan Howland, another senior, um, all-conference player last year, is um, just a tremendous leader for us. And, and of course, we have uh, two other freshman All-Americans besides Corey, uh, you know, Jake Raby and, and Carter Williams back from last year, who were both all-conference players. So a lot of experience in the lineup, and, uh, you know, guys are working hard to try to be consistent. And, and that's not even to mention the guys on the mound, who I'm, I'm sure, you know, 
wouldn't want me to neglect them as well. Devin Sweet's gotten off to a great start on the mound. He's anchoring our pitching staff. And we know when Devin's out there, we have a chance to win every game. And um, he's done a great job, you know, pitching game one of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, a, a, a 3.94 um, ERA, which which isn't bad. So, I mean, do you, I mean, I know, I mean, like, I know it's early, you know, but I, I, again, in, in just kind of keeping up with you, and um, you know, er, er, quite frankly, early for us here uh, for baseball season. Do you feel like maybe this has the potential to be the best team that you've had in your now seven seasons at North Carolina Central? That's a that's a great question. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, I think the potential is there. You know, we've had some good teams. Um, I remember my second year, we had a. I thought we had a really good club, and you know, we, we, we got hit with a few injuries in there, and um, kind of tested our depth a little bit that year. And same with last year's team, I thought was also really uh, talented, but um, we lost a few players that, uh, again, you know, put us in position that um, you know we got, um, you know, we had to get held back a little bit. But we still finished last year pretty strong as well, and uh, missed out on the tournament probably by a game or two. But this year's team, I, I think. Absolutely, just because of the amount of experience, and as as you know, in other sports, you talk about you see it in basketball and football. When you when you have guys that uh, have been around and they, they've experienced success and failure, and they kind of learn from that and know from that, especially when it's a mature group, you, you can't you can't beat that. And when you have twenty two, twenty three year olds, you know it's a little bit different when you know you're, you're dealing with a bunch of eighteen, nineteen year olds. So. The, the seniors, the leadership, and the experience definitely plays a big part in that. And, and hopefully, again, if we can stay healthy, we can sustain this and, and absolutely make it our most successful year yet. Last couple of thoughts for your players. Um, is it extra motivation for them because, I mean, I mean, the bottom line is uh, North Carolina Central has only been Division One since 2007, but a lot of success, especially more recently with the football program, uh, the basketball program, men's basketball program coming off a MEAC tournament championship. Do your, you know, do, do, does does the, that permeate that winning permeate or trickle down uh, to your players and say, hey, we want to also be a successful the baseball program to be successful here at North Carolina Central like some of the other programs are yeah of course yeah I definitely think so I uh, I believe that you know the success throughout the athletic department definitely not only motivates but you you can you can kind of just feel the energy from it and it's hard not to be contagious when, when it comes to that and I, I believe success breeds success, and when football does well and it carries over to basketball, and you get kind of build up that momentum towards baseball season, and you sit there and you think, "Hey, why not us? Let's let's keep this ball rolling, and 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 let's uh, let's you know bring more you know more good uh, good publicity to North Carolina Central because I think we're definitely capable of it." Lastly, uh, again, MEAC play continues this weekend. You got a home tilt against Savannah State. Um, you know, y- your thoughts on uh, the Tigers who, you know, if you look at the, you know, maybe last, I don't know, six or seven years, seemed like a couple of years ago they win the MEAC tournament, but they're, they're definitely a dangerous team. Yeah, Savannah Savannah's going to be um, a very good team this weekend. They, they're scrappy. They, they have a lot of team speed. 
Uh, they have a couple guys in their lineup that weren't there last year that are going to be um, some threats in the middle of the lineup. They're going to provide some power. I, I like their Friday guy, or I should say their, their, their Saturday guy since we play Saturday. Um, he's a left-hander that's always been tough for us the last couple of years. So we're going to have to be focused. We're going to have to approach this game like, like we approach uh, anybody else we play that, um, you know, we, we need to play to – we need to expect to play a three to two, four to three game. And what I tell our guys when, when I, what I mean by that is that every play, every pitch is going to be meaningful and we need to make sure that we can play a complete nine innings. Jim Kerner in his seventh season as the head baseball coach at North Carolina Central joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Eagles got a home weekend tilt hosting Savannah State. Coach Kerner, we appreciate the time. Good continued success to you and the Eagles. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You got it, Coach. As again, the Eagles, a weekend series with Savannah State. We still have more from the press box to press row still to come. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the press box to press row continues after this. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Jim Kerner, the head baseball coach at North Carolina Central, joined us in the last segment. If you missed the interview with Jim Kerner, the interview is going to be posted online on Monday, as a matter of fact, with our archive shows. And you can log on to BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com, and click on the link for the archive shows or the archive or the podcasts of the show a story that hit i don't know maybe 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 not last week but the week before that was that uh claflin in orangeburg south carolina who a lot of you may know we have a, a pretty good following down in that area as a matter of fact those that listen to us on wvcd in that uh, it's sort of in that area and you know we got a lot of movement some movement going on in uh, amongst hbcu schools you have hampton that's going to the big south conference you have savannah state that is making the move to division two now you have claflin that is moving from the siac to the ciaa as a matter of fact the ciaa uh, sent out a release a couple uh not last week but the week before indicating that CIAA, that uh, Claflin will become a new member of the CIAA. thought it was a, an interesting move and see that there are some rumors uh, swirling around about the fact that Chawan may leave the, uh, the CIAA, which, you know, that, that's interesting to me that the CIAA has uh, decided to add Claflin um admit Claflin as a member institution. I think it's a I mean it's a good move in my opinion for Claflin um because it it gives Claflin I think more exposure. Um they're competitive. Claflin won the um the SIAC uh, tournament this year so th- so they're making this move right on the heels 
of winning the SIAC tournament. So I think that's a good move. I know the CIAA has been talking about expansion for quite some time, going back to the days of Leon Carey as the commissioner when he even came on this show. They wanted to expand into Atlanta, and the expansion into Atlanta would have required either Clark Atlanta or Morehouse to join the CIAA. Uh, and, and I don't know, maybe Morris Brown obviously is 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 i think they're still in existence but not an accredited school maybe they were looking to kind of come back and get that accreditation back maybe that's a school he was talking about i'm not sure but i know that at least at one time the ciaa was trying to make um some moves under leon carey and and not maybe not so much with the new well not she's not new now but with uh commissioner mcwilliams so much there hadn't been any talk really or not much talk of expansion but it's a good move i think for claflin because it's going to give them more exposure uh with the ciaa tournament now claflin does not play football which i think is is interesting that the conference meaning the ciaa is going to add a team that does not play football but it's a good again a good move for claflin uh more exposure they're coming off an SIAC tournament championship, so that's going to give them some momentum coming into the CIAA. I think they're going to be competitive in basketball in the in the CIAA. Um, the SIAC, I mean, the SIAC plays a pretty good basketball now. I mean, it's just not, it just doesn't have the notoriety that the CIAA has. CIAA's on TV, CIAA tournament, et cetera. CIAA has that uh, more of that history, more of that notoriety than does the SIAC. But if you look over the last couple of years and you take a look at what the SIAC do, has done and the CIAA has done when you look at postseason play, I mean, you the 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 SIAC. Uh, particularly on the men's side, has really gotten it done. Tuskegee, going back some couple of years ago, made it all the way to the Elite Eight. So it's a good move for Claflin. My question is, what's the benefit of the move to the CIAA? You, you coming into, uh, meaning, you know, when you make these sort of moves, it, 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 it they're, they're moves that generally. Um, and, and obviously the CIAA looks at it as it's going to help the CIAA as a conference. But, you know, what's the benefit to the CIAA? I mean, I can tell you some of the cons. Um, a, Claflin doesn't have football. I think that's I mean, I think that's definitely a con um, because even if you lose Chowan, you're now going to have 11 football playing institutes. I don't think they're going to lose them this year. You, they, seems to me, I don't know the Division Two rules. Like the Division One rules, we talked about that extensively a couple of weeks ago when Hampton didn't miss the deadline. That was July for, or June 30th, actually, to uh, make the announcement. They missed that deadline. And by the way, just going back to that story, uh, it, it, I, it, there was an amicable agreement reached between the MEAC and the Hampton. In essence, Hampton paid the exit fee. They paid the the MEAC um, to be able to move now, even though they missed the deadline, to be able to move now from the MEAC to the Big South. So that's that's out of the way. That's that's clear. The Hampton is now clear to make that move to the Big South. But I mean, I don't know the Division Two rules. This seems late in the game for Claflin to be making the move. Obviously, there's some different rules. That's not really the point. Claflin doesn't have football. That's not a benefit to the CIAA. If Chawan does decide to leave, now you have 11 schools. You can still get it done with 11 schools. 
playing, and I, and you would think that Claflin, I mean, I'm pretty sure Claflin would be in the South. Uh, they would be part of the CIAA South since they're, they would now be the southernmost school as they're in Orangeburg, South Carolina. But the other thing is it's not a, you know, you, you make moves like when um, Lincoln joined the conference. It, it, that was sort of a natural fit. Lincoln was one of the um, founding members of the CIAA. They had that Philadelphia market. So that's a good move. You got that good media market, the good exposure. I, I don't know how much Lincoln is covered from a media perspective in Philadelphia, but the potential is there just like, you have buoy you have the CIAA in a in a great media market in Washington yeah, you know is Bowie State covered by you know the Washington Post and 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 various uh, entities there i mean they are covered by some entities but i mean the bigger papers like the Washington Post maybe the times and then television wise i don't know how much they're covered but there's the potential there and then you have the network Comcast um Comcast Atlanta, I think it's now called NBC Sports um, for that for that Atlantic region. But, you know, you look at those kind of things as benefits to the conference. What's the benefit for Claflin coming in? I mean, yeah, Columbia is a decent market. Columbia is a, is a good market. It's a good size market in terms of media coverage. But it, it's still about I mean, there's still some distance from Orangeburg. So it's, you know, so now you Orangeburg is a market within itself where Columbia is the bigger market. How much coverage is Claflin or does Claflin receive from the media in Columbia? You know, th- that's some of the things that you have to ask yourself. What is the true benefit to the CIAA other than expansion i don't know i mean i'd probably have to look a little bit deeper into it but on the surface to me um you know it's not a lot of benefit furthermore you have a school now a school like a lincoln that's got to travel all the way to orangeburg so whereas lincoln would have played johnson c smith it's uh i don't know how how far a trip that is most times it's going to be you know some kind of bus ride so um i don't know you're probably talking about i mean you're talking about a you know a pretty good uh, uh pretty good distance maybe eight hours or so from lincoln to johnson c smith in charlotte eight nine hours something like that now you're talking about in excess of a 10-hour trip when lincoln has to go now and play claflin i mean and you know, I mean, that's that's not the bigger deal. Um, you know, you, you make these trips. I mean, when they added Lincoln into the conference, now it was going to be, you know, Johnson C. Smith, the further most and, and Livingstone, by the way, they're only separated by maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 miles or something like that. Those two teams now had to come up uh, to Lincoln. So it's not like you. But, but again, Lincoln, uh, just a natural fit, an original member of the conference. A, a, a big market in that Philadelphia market. What's the what's the real benefit for now Claflin coming to the CIAA from the CIAA's perspective? I know the benefit for Claflin, all that I mentioned, more exposure, CIAA tournament. Um, also, uh, again, uh, uh, the CIAA basketball with its TV 
package, as a TV package, a syndicated TV package. You know, what's the benefit um, for the CIAA right there? Hit me up. Give me your thoughts. What, what's the benefit? What's the real benefit for the CIAA uh, accepting Claflin uh, into the conference? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. W. Going to get ready to get out of here. On from the press box to press row. Want to thank Jim Kerner, the head baseball coach at North Carolina Central, for joining us on the program. Hit on some big topics. A lot of good topics today here on the program. Again, the uh, the 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 March Madness is still in full effect. As I mentioned, my sheet is uh, is all shot, and it's not because UVA lost to UMBC, but more so because Arizona <laughs> Arizona messed me up by losing um, early on, and so that really messed my whole sheet up with Arizona losing to Buffalo. It wasn't so much, that, again, that they lost to Buffalo because, I mean, I had a chance to watch Buffalo play, and Buffalo's got a pretty good team. Um, it was more so that, um, you know, Arizona had a really, really good team and was a, you know, a proposed Final Four team and just couldn't quite get it done. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still going to be enjoying the tournament games over the next couple of days. Very much looking forward to it. This has been a, a tremendous tournament with, um, you know, a lot of really great stories. Uh, Loyola, Chicago, obviously, or Chicago, Loyola, um, obviously, a really good story. Um, or in, excuse me, Loyola, Chicago, a really good story. Nevada, really. You know, you've got some really good stories and some teams that have really made some moves. Buffalo um, was a good story while they were still in the tournament. So this is, has been one of the better tournaments that we've seen um, in recent memory. Again, archive shows can be heard on our website at BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com. Also follow us on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Uh, if you're there, you you, you want to make a comment, you can do that. Also, while you're on our Twitter page, follow us on Twitter at BoxToRow. Also friend us on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.